kings and stock eyes. Patiently await the hour of the dropping pellets, yearn to return to your ancestral headwaters, and single-handedly revitalize the economy of a geographically isolated community. Because it's time to talk tall to me. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> I didn't know until I was about to do it. I was, I was thinking, talk salmon to me, and then the bubbles came in. Perfect. Yeah, it's great. Welcome back, friends and fishes. I am Omen Said. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are Feckless Moms. And this is Talk Tall to Me. A long-term investment in the sheltered bay of Prague Rock in which Nick and I, handsome in our rubber waders, inspect old rock stars for signs of fin rot. From the introduction of the first sea cage of This Was to the industrial smokehouse of the synth period and beyond, Nick and I will not rest until we have tasted the rich orange flesh of every single song Jethro Tull has ever recorded. We have studied aqualung aquaculture, wrestled our hard-earned harvests from the vicious sea lions, and seen our dreams wash up on the summer day sands. But now, with your help, we will do battle to save our tullfish from the sea lice of obscurity. Salmon. I could never do what you do, Omen. Well. You are invaluable to this podcast. With, <laughs> as long as you as long as long you keep filling my water dish, you'll never have to. <laughs> Give me a carrot stick every now and then, I'll be happy. That's right. So, how are you? I'm well, Omen. I'm well. How are you? I am as well as can be expected. Okay, I'll take it, I guess. Had a few pints with uh, oh. my Norwegian friend over the Skype last night and uh, got up to my old tricks. He outpinted you? He he punted me. He punted you away from the pints. Yeah, I mean, talking with him just reminds me of being in Paris and drinking liters of Cronenberg, which I don't recommend because Cronenberg mm. is kind of gross, but <laughs> yeah, it was good times, good times. You're legally obliged to do that in By Paris. international law, yeah. 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 Nick, we have an exciting journey ahead of us today, but before we dive into the song of the hour, do we have any housekeeping? I think we'll just dig into some more heavy horses info here. I've got sure. a handful of notes and quotes from Ian and a quote from Martin, actually. Great. We'll start right at the top. Ian, in response to everyone saying, in fact, oh, this must be a concept album. I quote, it wasn't a concept album. I didn't, <laughs> I, period, end of sentence. <laughs> I didn't really have an overall thematic approach. It really was a collection of songs, albeit with a certain sense of tone and mood, and at the end of it, Heavy Horses was the one that presented itself somehow. Hmm. It had this significance, and it was also, let's not pretend, quite a good title. That said, it's unashamedly about something that was lamenting the passing of an age. Yes. So, like we normally see everyone trying to characterize it as a concept album and maybe... In hindsight, we can see it as a concept album when paired with the folk trio, etc., but not quite. I think that we get a little trigger-happy with the term concept album. Yeah. 
I think as soon as we see something tying it together and it's a prog rock band, we're like, it's a concept album. Yeah, it's very easy to fall back on that in terms of prog and in terms of Tall itself when ultimately, I think when you get down nuts and bolts, technically, like, Tall only put out two concept albums. Two intentional concept albums, I guess, you know? Sure. Yeah. Anderson states that the recording of this album... Heavy Horses came at a time when other artists were moving toward the new trends in music, and the band decided that they did not want to, quote, appear as if we were trying to slip into the post-punk coattails that were right. worn by the Stranglers or the police. Yeah, They were bands that were seen as being part of the punk world, but they weren't, end quote. Well, I think that Ian and the band in general have always had the... <laughs> I've always followed in uh, Groucho Marx's footsteps when he sang his famous "Whatever it is, I'm against it." <laughs> yes. Yeah. Did it's have safe. I told? Have you talked about that song before? Yeah. Yeah, you have. I love it. No matter what it is or who commenced it, I'm against it. Whatever it is, I'm against it. Martin Barr declares, quote, Songs from the Wood and Heavy Horses are two of the best albums from my time in Jethro Tull. Mm. I'm inclined to agree. They are pretty darn good. But he was there for almost all of them. So that's that's rough. But they are also like some pretty good guitar heavy and guitar unique albums. So I imagine he also really enjoyed playing with Glasscock because Glasscock yeah. was just such an incredible bassist and so many of the songs featured their kind of going back and forth and really playing off of each other. And tying in with that, All Music called Heavy Horses one of the prettiest records of the band, praising both Martin Barr and John Glasscock's playing. Yes. As well as Robin Black's engineering and the special participation of the violinist Daryl Way. Mm, yeah. Who we will hear on this track. And he is actually from a band called Curved Air. Huh. Yeah. With that, Nick, shall we say what the song is that we're listening to today in case anyone has forgotten? That is a good idea. We are going to dive into Acres Wild today. Acres Wild. Oh, those acres. They're so wild. I can't contain they can't them. can't be tamed. <laughs> Let's have a listen. <laughs> yes. Like last week... Just over three minutes. Yes. What an amazing three minutes, hands down. It's almost like radio length. It's pretty perfect, yeah. Never heard this on the radio. Oh, God, no. Absolutely not. If I had a radio show, I would most certainly play this. If I had a radio, I would almost certainly listen to this song on it, if I could. Well, that's, I mean, that is the most flattering thing you could say about this song. That's true Nick, this song how how does it make you feel listening to it i it's such to to use a quote you use fairly regularly it is okay. such a bop like i have I, to move to this song I never said that <laughs> <laughs> 
you you say yeah. that regularly. If I if I were to place this song in one of my chakras, it would be in one of the lower chakras. Straight up the root, baby. <laughs> Straight up the root. It'd be in the perineum. Ooh. Is yeah. that the word? Yeah, it is. It's the fancy word for the, per- the perineum. Well, anyway. Yeah, I feel it I feel it deep down in my bod. Yeah, and it's a song of fidgeting. It's a song of I I can't Oh, I can't stop moving with this song. It's so good. This is such a great song. It makes me want to go and run outside in the rain with my shoes off and get into trouble. What kind of trouble? Oh, fun trouble. (laughs) Yeah, but like tipping over cars or like just getting your clothes wet and then getting scolded by your mom when you come inside. No, I think more like like public exposure type stuff. Oh, wow. Okay, that, yeah. yeah. So let's talk about the music aspects of this song. Sure. Like Mouse Police, we have a single sound that introduces this song. It's not the purr. What is that sound? It's replaced with a single cymbal hit. Oh, right. Up near the center, so it's not not super splashy. It's kind of just tinny. It's a really peculiar choice, but I like it. It's very fun. I'm glad that you brought up the drums because I feel oh like my the, God. <laughs> the drums give us such an interesting thread to follow through this song that really speaks to the nature of the song, I think. Yeah, the drums, Barrymore rocks the hell out of this song. That's one of the things that keeps me so bouncy in this song yeah. and makes it so darn fun. Well, and he does a variety of different things throughout yeah. the song. And sometimes mm-hmm. it sounds very modern, like when he's riding that hi-hat. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it almost sounds like he's playing the the Bodron. Yeah, that bulladum, bulladum. Yeah. When he's going in with the fiddle, when the fiddle breaks down... It's, oh, it's so good. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. What a good touch. And I don't know if he is in fact playing the Bodron, which is, of course, a traditional drum used in a lot of Celtic music. Right. It, the sound is broad enough that it, it sounds like it could just be a big tom, a good a big floor tom to me. Yeah, maybe he's replicating that sound on, yeah. on some other piece of his kit. But, you know, mm. on the other hand, maybe he just has a Bodron. It's possible. It's highly you know? possible that, that he's just, he went in specifically with this on this track and played this part. I think that that's the fun thing about Tull is you never, you know, they will do that kind of thing. Yeah, and unless we find like obscure liner notes in the personnel, Barrymore Barlow is listed as drums and percussion. A lot that, of stuff falls under percussion. That covers percussion. it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the fiddle and the mando. Yeah, let's talk about the fiddle. Oh my God, they 1000% make this song for me. They're so good. You know, I used to listen to this song and not really register this fact, but now that I listen to it with an ear toward that that fiddle specifically, mm-hmm. it is so different from what we're used to with D's sweeping string arrangement. Yes, which there are strings in here. There is some string in the background, but it's a lot more subdued than we're, what we're used to. But those are different from Daryl Way's violin. Yes. Daryl Ways and Means. 
He curved air around my eardrums and it sounded amazing. The fiddle in there, when it first comes in and mixes in with that that Tom sound from Barrymore, if you told me that was bagpipes, if you told me that was a Scottish bagpipe with the Barone, like, I'd be like, okay, absolutely. It does have that feel to it, yeah. And the mandolin, I, which I assume is being played by Mr. Ian Anderson. Yes, he is accredited as mandolin on this album, yeah. It has a kind of a rough, raw feel, which mm-hmm. really suits the song. And I think that that, I think Ian was taking advantage of the fact that it was a fairly new instrument to him. I'll make love to you in all good places. You know, if you listen to the way that his playing on the mandolin progresses throughout time. Sure. So by the time we get to Crest of a Knave, he's developed his ability to play the mandolin. And here... Oh my gosh, yeah. It is a little not super refined, but that works really well for this song. Right. It's it's fairly raw, and the track itself, like, they didn't doctor much of it, it seems, that, that they left it as is. Mm. And that that goes back to... My feeling of what we've seen on a handful of songs leading up until this point is that feeling of it's Ian performing this song for you. It's not a perfected, pristine, precise present wrapped in a bow like Ian's in your living room playing the song for you. Yeah. You hear the breaths with the flute. You hear the imperfections with the mandolin. It feels warm. Yeah. It it solidifies that minstrel feeling. Yeah. It's very direct. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I think that I think you're right on with that. And the song has all of these musical contrasts within it because on the oh one hand God. you have stuff like the the mandolin and the violin mm-hmm. that are that are providing that real warmth and that connection to something that's traditional. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand you have the organ and the hi-hat which sound very 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 modern. Yeah. And John's bass is all over the place. Definitely noticeable like like yeah. much of his work, just wonderful. <laughs> I got to say, the whole point of this song is the instruments for me to listen to this song. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it, it's it definitely. The lyrics are fun, but if you really want to dive into this song, you listen to it for the instruments. I think that the instruments are presented in a way that where you can really appreciate them. And, and it there's enough there's there are enough different textures going on in this song that you can really appreciate each single instrument. Yeah. The one that the instrument that that sort of amusingly is a bit more pulled back in this song is Martin's electric. I hear it every now and then. It's there and it's it's adding a really great mm-hmm. element, but it's mm-hmm. not super super forward. Yeah, there are some some licks and some tweedles here and there, but yeah, it is really one of the more kind of atmospheric sounds of of just adding to to the whole thing as opposed to Yeah, he steps forward when he's needed and then he steps back and allows the drums and the mandolin and the violin to to come more forward when he when he knows that that's what it should be. Yeah. Who knows the creative process if it just kind of fell that way or Martin said, "Hey, maybe this is a moment for me to stay back." Who knows where that is? However, the decision was made like it's pretty nice. It's pretty perfect because sure, if we gave him a front forward part and he mixed in with everything else, it would be great. Oh, of course. But that subtle in the back is also a really nice touch, particularly when we're used to Martin being a little more forward. And that's one of the things that I love about Martin is that, you know, a lot of the rock guitarists out there, they just want to show you all the time how hard they rock. And you're like, I know. I know. I know that. 
we have seen you rock. That's great. Now put it away for just a minute. And they're like, no, let me do a squeedly do. <laughs> Martin is like, I know I rock. You know I rock. I'm going to rock a little. I could rock a lot more. <laughs> He's always holding something a little bit in reserve so that if some disaster happened and he had to... <laughs> He had to guitar his way out of it. If he needed some emergency rocking, he would That's have right. the energy for it. Yeah. That's right. It's like you never run your engine at full capacity. You always run at 90% just in case you got to overtake a, an evil BMW. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Great, great analogy. Thank you. Totally Thank you. relatable. Just got mm. my Fiat back from the shop recently. You know what Fiat stands for? No, I don't. Fix it again tomorrow. <laughs> Fix it again, Tony. Hey. Hey, Tony. Okay. So, <laughs> um, I can feel us getting sucked down into the accent hole there. Oh, yeah, So, Nick, is. are we able to move on to the lyrics? Because I, I know that you love the instrumentation on this song, but I, do. I love the lyrics. You do. The, the lyrics are fun. I just want to know how fun that, that really abrupt ending is. I feel like it's been a while since we've had, like, a quick cutoff ending. Aside from like the cough of the last one, but that's a little more like that's a little more of a fade because of that chant and it's like a novelty ending. It's not, yeah, it's not, you know, it's it falls into a different category. It's not satisfying as a, as like a good real button like this this ending is. This is a, an incredible button. Yeah, that's all I have instrumentally in, musically. So yeah, let's let's dive into into lyrics. Before we dive into specifics, can you? Make love to me? No. Can you give me an overall, like, what is it about these lyrics that you like so much? What what speaks to you about this? I think it's the sense of geography. <laughs> <laughs> he talks about buildings. He talks about islands. Talks about the north and the west. Here's what I love about this song, Nick. It <laughs> I is... pull out my map and I, I weep with joy. <laughs> Well, you know I love geography, Nick, and I love maps. I, yeah, 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 yeah. And have you never looked at a map of someplace you've never been to and just thought, I want to screw my way across all 30 counties? I can honestly say no. Wow. I, can, I can honestly and frankly tell you no, I have not. I don't really know what your priorities are, but that's all right. I, the thing is, okay, here's the thing for me about this song. Mm-hmm. It appears to be about sex. Okay. And I would argue that it is not. Okay. I know that's a strange turn of events in our podcast. <laughs> right. But Right. Sorry, Doc Savage, who just loves to listen to us flounder about sex talk. Oh, we'll talk about sex with this song. Oh, it'll be awkward. Don't you worry, Doc Savage. But the sex is not the point of this song. The okay. sex is a means to an end gotcha. within this song. Okay. So first of all, let's dive into some of the lyrics. Uh-huh. I'll make love to you in all good places, under black mountains, in open spaces, by deep brown rivers that slither darkly through far marches where that blue hair races. I'll make love to you in all good places, under black mountains, in open spaces. So here are all the places 
that I will make love to you. You name a place, I'll be there on time at attention. <laughs> but listen to what these places are. Black mountains, open spaces, deep brown rivers, marshes. He's describing these wild yeah. acres, these uncivilized, you know, untouched, yeah. just totally barren, beautiful places. What do you make of all the colors? We got black mountains, brown rivers, blue hairs. Like, is, is that just adding to an evocative imagery there? I think it is. And I think he's evoking a specific spot. Okay. Okay. A specific geographical area, which, which we is have indicated in the next line. Come with me to the Winged Isle, Northern Father's Western Child. Come with me to the Winged Isle. So, as I'm sure all of our Anglo listeners are yelling as they stomp angrily on top of their tables, yelling into their phones. First of all, get down. We don't want anyone to get hurt. First of all, take off your shoes before you jump on the table. <laughs> Second of all, we know, we know, the Winged Isle is a reference to the Isle of Skye. Mm-hmm. The largest island of the Inner Hebrides, which are the islands off the northwest coast of mainland Scotland. So geographically significant in several ways for for Ian. Yeah, it is part of his country of origin. Mm -hmm. Calling Sky the western child of the northern father is so brilliant and poetic because, you know, Scotland is where Ian is from. It is his fatherland in a way. And so this island, this large island, which is off the western coast of it, is yeah, it's just beautiful. The western, northern father's western child. Yeah. I also like the next two lines where the dance of ages is still playing through far marches of acres wild. Well, the dance of ages is playing still through far marches of acres wild. That brings back that druidic feel, that old world magic feel. Well, yes, the Dance of Ages could refer to any number of things, including, you know, kind of all of the stuff that Ian was on about in Songs from the Wood. Yeah. But also in a more kind of direct and literal approach to that line, the Isle of Skye has a population currently of not that many, like maybe 10,000, 11,000 inhabitants, humans. How big is it? It's bigger than you might think. <laughs> I'm glad that you specified humans specifically. That is... Because the, the sheep population is probably much bigger. I would assume so, yeah. But significantly, even today, roughly a third of those inhabitants still speak Scots Gaelic. Mm, okay. So saying that the Dance of Ages is playing still could refer to some very specific cultural practices that go back ages and ages and ages into the past. Mm -hmm. That because it's isolated geographically, like so often happens, it retains some of its older cultural elements. So it, it basically applies to anything old world. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that, the druidic magical feel, just like old tradition. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And if you look at it, it's mostly uninhabited. So if you look at pictures of it, it really is like acres of wilderness that are really yeah. stark and incredible and beautiful and inhospitable 
The soil isn't very good. Sparse green space. It's really far north, and so it gets very dark in the winter. It's quite mm. cold and rainy. Okay. So what good is that land, Omen? Why would one move there? Well, it is valuable and has been valued throughout history for a number of its geographical features. It is apparently one theory as to why it is often referred to as the winged isle is because it has a high central point and then it has all of these kind of peninsulas that stick out into the sea like wings, one could say. Oh, okay, okay. And a lot of those big peninsulas have between them bays, almost sea locks, you know, what you might call a fjord in some places, and those create protected deep water, cold water bits. <laughs> water water bits, right. Water exactly. bits, water places. <laughs> Which are good for a number of things, including fishing. Mm, here we go. That's what we're looking for. <laughs> Here's and, and in this very year that this album was released, Ian Anderson began his project of salmon fishing. Mm, there it is. That's what we've been that's what we've been alluding to this whole time. And he's not the only rock star to turn to fish farming. Oh, really? Yeah. Roger Daltrey made himself a 400-acre estate featuring a trout fishery in Sussex, I believe. Is that commercial? Is that for for commercial? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. It's not just like his personal no, no. Okay. <laughs> U2's guitarist, The Edge, dabbled in fish farming or started to get into fish farming, and then his friends basically said, get your head out of your butt. <laughs> so Ian is not the only one. And at the time, in the in the late 60s, fish farming had just sort of, was a, was a, a fairly new and relatively experimental thing. Okay. So I have some, uh, I have a, some quotes from Ian. About the salmon farm? Yeah, so apparently this is something that he was interested in for years before he eventually bought an estate on the Isle of Skye. Okay. In Strathyrd. 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 Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it. your guess is as good as mine. Strathyrd. Strathard. Strats so I, hard. I strat so hard. But he had been, apparently, you know, he would go on tour and be, you know, in the tour bus or on the plane with books about salmon fishing and fish farming all around mm, him and reading mm-hmm. up on aquaculture while everyone else, you know, was partying. And he now had a, enough money where he really could invest in something. In addition to his estate in Buckinghamshire, he bought a place on the Isle of Skye. Mm-hmm. So he says, we had 11 fish farms, a smokehouse, and two processing factories. At one point, we were employing 400 people, mostly in the factories, and turning over... 12 million Great British Pounds a year. 200 million what? Great British Pounds. pounds. Oh, Great British Pounds. Yeah. I heard grapeish. Grapeish Pounds. And I, I, there's also some good interview bits in that video that I sent you. I'll provide a link to the video. Yeah. Like I, I said to you earlier, like I'm, for some reason, when I think Salmon Farm, I think like this must be Ian in mid to late 80s. Well, I think that he was... You know, at this point, he was just starting out with it. So we, you know, that quote was regarding the, the salmon farm's height. And in the years since then, it got so big that it eventually got sold off to various other, you know, the company got sold off to other interests in 2002. And the actual site was shut down in 
2008. So it had a good run. Hmm. But at this period, he would have been just doing the kind of preliminary research into where he wanted this place, what was available, and just starting to put boots in the sea, as it were. <laughs> Galoshes, wellies. Galo- yeah, putting wellies, putting yeah. wellies in the sea. Kissing wellies. <laughs> but the thing that I find so fascinating about this, Nick, and the reason that I think this, this is relevant is because mm. clearly the song is about the Isle of Skye. Yes. Clearly he was visiting the Isle of Skye at this time. Right, right. And being inspired by the landscape and all this. But I think, and, and, and sorry, I'm having, having lots of thoughts. Yeah, let's redirect. Okay. Put the bumpers up, get them down the lane. Okay, so at the time, the Isle of Skye had gone under the century before a lot of depopulation. It was, I think, economically struggling a little bit. The salmon mm. fisheries, the wild fisheries were becoming overfished, and so the opportunity for the island as a whole to make money wasn't really that robust. Sure. So I think that Ian came here, saw the opportunity with this experimental kind of aquaculture, and not only saw for himself an opportunity to make a good return on his investment, but also saw an opportunity to revitalize the economy of this community that was attached so passionately to his his heritage. Yeah. I mean, we, we saw this with the backing of Monty Python, of Holy Grail, you know? Like, he's he's using his money in kind of bold ways where he's backing a project that seems very important to him and is not a guarantee of a return on investment. But it turns out that with his being able to, to judge what he's investing in and yeah. his business acumen based on on the, the farm itself, you know, like the Monty Python was like, here's the money and go. He, I'm sure he didn't have much beyond that. Sure. But, but being really hands on, it seems, with the farm, like he's he he's clearly proven himself at a fairly early age to be really business wise. And Nick, I totally agree with you that that his business prowess and his frugality have been channeled at this point in the history into a really productive project. While other rock stars are blowing money on drugs and fancy cars and stuff, he is rejecting those trappings, those traditional or, you know, popular trappings of success. And he's like, I'm really going to make an investment with this that's not that's going to benefit not only me, but also the community in which it's placed. And so I think that with the rest of these lyrics, I'll make love to you in narrow side streets with shuttered windows crumbling chimneys. I'll make love to you in narrow side streets with shuttered windows and crumbling chimneys. Those are all signs of of a community in disrepair. You know, you yeah. shutter the windows on something when it's closed. Right. Or if you don't want, say someone lives there, if you don't want your house open to maybe an unsavory element or buildings that are crumbling, you know, you don't want to see that, so you close your shutters. Yeah, it's closed off. That's right, in a number of different ways. Yeah. Come with me to the weary town. Disco's silent under tiles that slide from rooftops scatter softly on concrete marshes of acres wild. Come with me to the weary town. Disco's silent under tiles that slide from rooftops scatter softly on concrete marshes 
So it's, you know, describing this place, this place where the buildings are so old that if you turn up the music too loud, the, the shingles on the roof will fall off. Well, I think that, that there was a disco there, but it shut down. And it just so happens that the tiles, like that's another indicator of the disrepair is that the tiles are just falling off. Oh, that it's that it can't even support a disco. Yeah. Yeah. And on the concrete marches of Acres Wild, that's saying that this right. this place that was populated has now kind of been left to to Jack in the Green. It's been left to nature yeah. to to repopulate. And and in a sense, Ian is going against Jack in the Green here and trying to bring life and progress and bringing industry back into this place that was left to kind of go back to nature. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, to finish up the little talk of, of those of those descriptors, by red bricks pointed with cement fingers flaking damply from sagging shoulders. By red bricks pointed with cement fingers flaking I mean, I love how specific he is here that the structures, the the tuck pointing, you know, the cement in between the bricks mm. hasn't been repaired. And so it's flaking off. And so yeah. the building is is sagging. So confronted with all these seemingly you know difficult challenges of this town that's falling apart in this this stark uh, in a inhospitable landscape. Yeah. Yeah. He's singing. I am going to love you into vibrancy i'm going to i'm gonna fuck the life right back into you with my salmon dick okay i'm not putting that in there i'm gonna have to bleep all that out (laughs) so is this is this you is the second person to whom he is singing this is that jenny or is this more of is this life in general to this town you know I think yes. I think it's all of that. I think that yeah. he is is he's in a place in his wife. Wow, he's in a place oh, in his well life that too. Where yeah, he's, <laughs> his power is increasing. His he's at the height of his vitality. He's got all this money to invest. Sure. And you know, is it that he's making love to the Isle of Skye? Is it that he's making love to his partner in, in a kind of productive way? Is is it? You know, he, this is like the opposite of of sowing his wild oats. This is sowing his domesticated row. And I just want to clarify: I accidentally said uh, he's making love to Jenny. That would be very awkward. Oh no, because he's Shona. married to Shona at this point. <laughs> yep. So I think that's what's so exciting for me about this song is that it's not it's not just sex; it's sort of sex on a spiritual mm-hmm. level with a purpose. The sex is a stand-in for productivity and fertility, and proliferation and yes. fertility. Yeah, I like it. I like it. And often, you know, sex is symbolic of more of a greater sense of productivity and fertility. You know, sex is the center pillar of a lot of the fertility festivals, sure. which were about the increase of stocks. And the, you know, preparation for a good harvest. But the way that we celebrate that is by getting busy. Phallic symbolism and 
and just uh, sharing the love, you know? Sharing the love. Yeah. So, I mean, that's my take on this song. He went to the Isle of Skye, was like, this place is amazing. It could really use an economic boost. I love it on a spiritual level. It connects me to my heritage, and I will put a salmon farm here. I will make love to my salmon business with my <laughs> with the turgid... Turgid fishnet? My turgid fishnets? With my turgid bank account, I think, more likely. There we go. Yeah. So that's the thing. So this is the thing with salmon fishing is that it's not one of those immediate return on investments. Right. Yeah. The individual salmon itself takes three years to mature. Right. So you're not going to see any profits in the first three years. At, at least. All. Yeah. If not, if not four or five, depending on how long it takes you to set the thing up before you can even get the fish in there. Right. And, you know, it's expensive to run. It is... It takes constant, constant vigilance. You have to feed the salmon every day. You have to. That's where he went wrong. What? I have to pay to feed them? You have to check them every day for signs of disease. You know, Mm -hmm. having them in concentrated numbers makes them much more susceptible to parasites and other diseases. Apparently, the guy who was, at the time of that interview that I sent you, the person who was running the operation was the old tall tour manager. I know that's so amazing. That's I love so it. great. I would like to have overheard the conversation where Ian was like, listen, Tommy, you've been on the road for a long time. Yeah, I have. Wouldn't you like to settle down, you know, stay in one spot for a while? It's like, oh yeah, that sounds amazing. What if I kept paying you to do that? Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Amazing. It's salmon. <laughs> okay. I can be sold. Sure. Where is sure. this? Uh, my farm on the Isle of Skye. Oh, Jesus, Ian. Come on. <laughs> it was very cold and wet. But <laughs> like why not? sending him to um, Siberia. T- Siberia, yeah, exactly. You know, Ray's grandfather had a brother who was exiled to Siberia. Gee whiz. Yeah. Because the Baltic states, the when Latvia was taken over or controlled or whatever, yeah. like he got he got sent out there. It's bonkers. No good. No good. Anyway, Isle of Sky. Isle of Sky. Acres wild. Yeah. And acres, acres don't necessarily have to mean land. You know, you could have acres of water. You could have acres of water. You could have yeah. acres of love. Acres of love, baby. That's that's the song that got cut from the original version of Rent. Thank you. I was hoping you would go there. How many square feet in an acre? Are we going to sing this right now? How many hectares are there in a multi-hectare? How many fathoms does it take to get to the bottom? 43,560. That's how many square feet are in an acre. Acres of love. 525,600 minutes. 525,000 moments, oh dear. 525,600 Anything else about Acres Wild Omen? Would you like to hear a small anecdote regarding the musical Rent? Sure. That is... Just barely germane, but yes, give it to me. So Rent was in the late 90s or early 2000s, the very first show that I saw on Broadway. And my mom, I don't know, remember why she was in New York, but she she 
took me to New York and she was like, we're going to go see a Broadway show because she knew I was interested in theater. Mm-hmm. And Rent was all the rage back then. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if you're familiar with Rent, but it one of the main characters is Angel, who is a an amazing drag queen character, you know, who like in the first act does this incredible show-stopping number where she jumps onto a table, which is like three foot high, while wearing nine-inch heels, and she's just incredibly fabulous, and she, it's this big drag. And, you know, drag was was not super well-known at that time. Right, yeah. So it was very, very obvious that she was, that was her, that was kind of the main point of the character. Mm-hmm. The end of Act One, we've been sitting in the theater for an hour and 20 minutes watching this character perform on stage. My mom turns to me as the applause is dying down and says, Omen, I think that woman is a man. <laughs> I was like, Mom, that's yeah. the plot of the show. Like, yeah. Yeah, that is your mother. That's perfect. Love her. Love her to death. Did she wait in the lobby for the, the second half? No. Oh, no, no, no. She had no, no problem with it. She of was course just like, yeah. I think I've just figured this out. <laughs> Oh, man, I hate to spoil it for you, but I think that's a man. Yeah. Well, she's the one also who, when we went and saw Chicago uh-huh. at the end of the show, I was like, I was like, Mom, what did you think of that show? She was like, well, I liked it, but were the musical numbers happening in the imaginations of the characters or were they really happening? I was like, um, they were, I... That's actually a very good question. That is that is pretty valid. I feel like that's like a directorial question, though. That's like right. most audiences would just be like, look, they're dancing, yay. Songs. There are songs in this musical. I love it. She's always either way, way, way on the deep end of the spectrum <laughs> or, or with her analysis or completely missed the, the boat. Yeah. Nothing in between. No, that is, that's your mom. Yeah, that's to a T. That's great. Yeah. So, Nick, anything else regarding Acres Wild? No, not at all. Question for you, Nick. Yeah. Do you enjoy eating salmon? I don't like cooked salmon. Oh, interesting. But I love a salmon sushi or sashimi. You like it raw. What about smoked? Oh, yeah. Smoked is, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I never had smoked salmon until until Ray, actually. It, until... You discovered that she is a smoked salmon. She is a smoked salmon and is delicious. Amazing, yeah. It was a big meal for her grandfather and her her mother. Sure. Yeah. Omen. Yo. What, What are we talking about next week? Nick, next week we are talking about the third song off of Heavy Horses. It is a Jethro Tull song. Keep your eyes open and prick up your ears. It is No Lullaby. Rehearse your loudest cry. So get some sleep before next week when we will talk tell to you about No Lullaby. Until then, you don't have to go and fish wild stars out of the ocean you can set yourself up a little stellar culture and farm your stars right from the convenience of your own dockside and then send them to us. That's way more sustainable, way better for the environment. We would appreciate that. And if you could find free-range stars, awesome. Organic, that would be great. 
Yeah. Actually, salmon farming has been showed to have a lot of environmental detriments. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't know that at the time, no. so they're working on it. Yeah. After you, you pick up those stars, why don't you head on over to patreon.com slash talk tall to me and subscribe for big five bucks. Just five That's bucks right. a month. That's if it. you want to drop a few pellets into our gaping fish-like mouths, you can... <laughs> Give us $5 on the Patreon monthly, yep, which will yep. give you access to all kinds of exciting content, including the new... Well, not that that not that not new at this point. Including our fairly recently released Discord chat. That's right. Where you can connect with tall heads of all kinds of ilk. And until next week, I am the stuffed with omega-3s Omen Said. I am the sustainably caught Nick McGill. We are the economic revitalization program that are feckless momes. And this is your flaking, damply sagging shoulders. Talk tall to me. Are you, are you gonna eat that pellet? Uh, yeah, no, no. Um, we can share it. Oh, oh, it's really, uh, it's really pellety today. Got a, I, got a lovely uh, aftertaste. That's that's a nice pellet. I I like they they changed it in the last couple of days. This is I like this new brand, whatever it is. Yeah, it's really maxing out my gains, bro. Have you noticed how uh, have you noticed how thick my uh, my hump is? You are. Bulking, my friend. So bulking. My fins are like so shiny right now. I've just never felt so. Oh, I gotta leap! I gotta leap! Go, go, go! Oh, I gotta. I need to get that out of my system. It's all right. I mean, it's 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 nature, dude. It's 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 part of our it's part of our inherent design. We just gotta swim. I'm gonna swim down here for just two seconds. Yeah, I'll be okay. right back. I'm gonna come. I'm gonna come with you. I'm gonna come. Okay, come stay on. together. Safety, safety okay. number. Safety number. Safety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Did you do you see that uh that that Frank Frank got a little fin rot? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I saw him the other day. We we're just coming back from the from the swim gym, and uh, you know I I totally I totally saw a sea flea on him. Super embarrassing. Can Super you believe embarrassing. it? Like, oh, uh, I just don't even really want to hang out with him anymore. It's and like, he, I mean, he, not to judge, but like, gross. And he was trying to hide it like we wouldn't see. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, come it's on. Like, it's like right there, dude. You have like 26 yeah. of them on your I, uh, on your dorsal. You know, I, honestly, I, I didn't see Frank this morning, so he might be dead. He could be dead. He could be dead. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. do you want to jump? Let's jump. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Oh, so good. Oh, oh my god. Man, I love it. I love hey, it. Hey, are you coming to my third birthday tomorrow? Uh, you know, I I got something else. Oh, well, that's uh, okay. That's fine. Yeah, I was going to What's going on? I was going to go spawn. Oh, dude, yeah, you should totally spawn. Yeah. Uh, I heard that um I heard that the spawning is uh, supposed to be really good over in that that left corner over there. Yeah. Yeah, is it? I saw I saw Broomhilda over there. And, oh, know, Broomhilda! Oh my God, yeah. she's so. I was. I was loaded just with eggs. I was just gonna spray my sperm and, and probably fertilize at least a couple of them, right? You know, I saw her swim by the other day, and you know what? You know what? The first thought I had in my head was, no, uh, good eggs. 
Good eggs, yeah, followed okay, by... Okay. She made, just made me remember that Talk Tall to Me is a proud member of something. I don't remember what it was. Oh, is it... Is it the, uh, the Feckless Moms Audio Network? Yeah, it totally is. It yeah. totally is! Yeah. Dude, dude, let's jump! Let's jump! Uh, oh, no. oh, no. <laughs> Fin slap! <laughs>